everyone, uh, just have a drink. So, um, you know when I preach and I manage to confuse everybody? <laughs> Brace yourself. I do actually work on sermons really hard, but the second part of this one, it falls off a cliff. But if we get what I'm trying to say, we might be all right, so ch ch stay tuned. Um, I, this is called Jesus the Prophet and Messiah, but it got so long, I've dropped the Messiah, and we're just looking at Jesus the Prophet <clears throat> this morning. Right. Um, it's always been um, acceptable. What am I? Am I on? Or have I turned it on? I'm on. It's always been acceptable to have faith in God, generally speaking. If you receive an Oscar and you thank God, you'll get a round of applause, generally speaking, because he's the vague God has helped me vaguely all the days of my life, and Americans love all that. It's been less popular in world history to be a Jesus person. Anyone can be a God person, but to be a Jesus person, it's a bit more personal and offensive, because Jesus is God earthed. I remember a few times in life getting electrocuted because I was touching things which weren't earthed. And no one can approach God unless he's earthed. Because so he's just too... like He would obliterate us because of our sin. But Jesus is God earthed. We've got to go to him and become like him. And he's personal because he's earthed. And he like dictates and what we should look like and how we should think and, and feel. And when you get into Jesus and spell God with a J... That's when people go, oh, that's too prophetic for me. No, too personal, don't like it, don't want that stuff. Go back to the God idea, that's quite nice and inoffensive. And the opinions come out when Jesus is in the forefront. And it's exactly the same in John 7. Uh, it's the same back then. Listen to these opinions that you probably hear in your staff room or your workplace. Here's one. Um, verse 27, but we know where this man is from, and when the Christ comes, no one will know where he's from. In other words, Jesus isn't God because he comes from Nazareth. No way is the living God from Nazareth. Opinions about God and where he would come from and what he would look like. Here's another group of people, though, in the same passage. Um, others are convinced that Jesus is the one he says he is. Listen to this, 30 to 31. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid hands on him because his time had not yet come. Still, many in the crowd put their faith in him. Um, so some people want to kill Jesus. Some people put their faith in Jesus in this chapter. And he basically miffs people off because he says this, and he still miffs people off today because he's too narrow. Listen to these words. Jesus teaching in the courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true, and you don't know him. But I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. So he lines up people who are really clever in church with their own opinions, esteem their own ideas highly, and he says, None of you know God. Because you don't know me. Because I'm God-earthed. And the massive debate about Jesus in John 7 is this. Is he the prophet and Christ? Is it really him? Is he from God? That's the big question for everyone today and listening at home. Is Jesus the prophet? 
the Messiah, the Son of God. What's your answer? Some back then thought yes, some thought no. Here's verse 40. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. And they've all been looking forward to it because, like you, they knew Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18, which said, I will raise up a prophet like you from among the Israelites and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him, the coming Messiah and prophet. So everyone's like, oh, there's someone coming from heaven who's going to sort life out. And now he's here and people don't like him. Do you like him? This is the big question that everything hands on. To you and us, is Jesus the prophet? Many back then thought no. Many back then thought yes. Many today think no. Many today think yes. But this I know, if you go and receive an Oscar and say, I want to thank Jesus, my prophet, priest, and king, whose words I follow to the letter, and he dictates how I spend my money, where I go, what hobbies I have, they're going to go, oh, I might not clap that one. Um, many back then did. John 6, people say, surely this is the prophet. Luke chapter 24, on the road to Emmaus, have you heard the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was the mighty prophet from God? So there it is. Um, Jesus the prophet. Sort out your prophet. Who's yours? Here's a question you might be asking. What's a prophet? Because I think when we sing Jesus the prophet, priest and king, the prophet we skip by a lot. And I think if your mates asked you what is a prophet, what does it mean that Jesus is the prophet, we might not be able to give a good, a good answer. We, we do alright with saviour from sins, but the prophet... And my vision this morning is, so we see such a picture of Jesus, we get, He is our prophet. A massive view of Jesus. So here's what a prophet is. Here's some answers. Number one, someone who has a message from God for people, for the present or the future. Sent from God, telling me something interesting about my present and my future. That's a prophet in the Bible. Another one, Another way of describing a prophet is someone who speaks with authority. He speaks forth with power, a man or a woman in the Scriptures, and everybody listens to the prophets of God. And this one, Jesus, claims he's from God, he is God, and he's got the words to encourage us, bring us back where we're lost, if we've gone off track, steer us back, tell us how to live with all issues about life and death. Right, so far, some quite straightforward stuff. Um, be aware that he's the prophet. Um, yeah, okay, right, we're heading to the cliff here. Um, <laughs> but before we get to the cliff, <laughs> the last bit that you might be able to follow, um, all the authors of the clever books in the world in the past are dead. The Bible says this one's still alive. He's that sort of prophet. Okay, he's the living word. Bible says Jesus is the one that tells us what the Father's thinking and wants for us. And the Bible says in church, the Spirit sort of makes all that real to us. And it's just a knockout blow. And it's worth, it's hard to follow the prophet, but it's always glorious. Right, 
Why is this important as we edge to the cliff? Because words create our reality. If you go home after the service and go, I'm a loser, or you wake up in the morning thinking, I'm a loser, or I'm a horrible person, or I'm unattractive, and those words will form a negative effect in your life. They're very powerful things, words. Um, and they can have good effects as well. And everyone sitting here and at home has a prophet, has a set of codes or a dependable thought process which expresses itself in our lives. Could be from multiple sources, could just be one. Might just be yourself, although you're shaped by multiple sources. And our lives are shaped by those words that we answer to life's big questions. Everybody here is shaped by answers to questions. Everybody here has prophets, people who give answers. Everyone has a set of answers to life's big, big questions. Even if you're not entirely sure, you're going to have a go. Like, why has it all gone wrong for me? That's a prophetic question that needs a prophetic answer. Where do we go for that one? What about my friends? Who should they be? How can I best care for them? That's what the world's asking, and we ask those. Where am I going in life? What's your answer to that? Like, who's the prophet? What about my emotions? How am I supposed to use them, or rein them in, or channel them? Sometimes children ask a belter of a prophetic question that we all should never grow out of asking. Why do I get scared in the dark at night? That's it. It's like, exactly. Why is there darkness? Great question. Why do we not like darkness? Is it because we're heading to this state of death? And this is a little picture of it. Great question. What's your answer? Why are we scared of darkness and death? Everybody's asking that. And in John chapter 7... John presents us with the prophet who shapes our lives. Not something that we sing about and then go home for lunch and never consult him on anything in life. That's not the vision of the prophet that John lays before us. What about my loved ones who are sick? Where do we go to bring people true comfort? And the Bible presents the Lord Jesus Christ as the greatest theologian and prophet that ever lived. Ever. He asks great questions and has the answers. Now, um, just to keep you awake, have a stab at this. Um, how many questions do you think Jesus asks people in the Bible and gives answers? Go on, have a stab. Don't go massively high because it makes the actual answer sound a bit rubbish. Thirty-seven, good, higher. Thirty-eight, higher. Fifty-nine, right, I'll tell you. Three hundred. Three hundred questions Jesus asked people. Bearing in mind, I'm including Jesus in the Old Testament here as the angel of the Lord. Like, here are some of his questions. Who do you think I am? That's a belter. I'm the prophet asking that. Who do you think I am? Everything hangs on that. What do the Scriptures say about me? says Jesus. 
Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Or do you love your life without me so much, you won't want to be healed if I'm involved in your life thereafter? What a question. Um, Where are you? Even though he knew they were hiding in the bushes, the Son of God walks around going, where are you? He knows full well where they are. And he knows where you are. Or to Hagar, where are you going? Or, why are you so afraid? Or, what are you looking for? Or, do you love me? Or, I haven't written them all down. Or, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt me? After all I am, I'm the prophet. What good would it be for anybody in Park End Church, I've added that bit, to gain the whole world but lose your soul? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single span to your life? Why are you worrying? Are you not more value to me and my Father than the birds in the air? At the bus stop, if you ask someone, why do you worry so much? They'll want answers. They'll want answers. And Jesus claims he's got them. So now, we've all got a choice. We go home and we live like this. Well, I think this. And my nan taught me this. Or my horoscope said this. Or the guy in the three arches says this. Or, or Park End Church does something different. They join the prophet and his answers. That's Christianity. They go to the prophet. Because when God speaks, he speaks through Jesus. This is why we need to be Jesus-centered here. To offer something different to the horoscopes or the guy in the pub. Matthew 17, the father says to the son, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him with whatever you face when you go home. Here's John 14. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come and make our home with that person. Whether you're in a hospital bed, or you've just got a new job, or you're heading into school. We will be with the person who follows the words of Jesus Christ. Here's some more thoughts. John 8. Jesus says, you are from below. I'm from above. That's the difference between every other clever man that's ever lived or wise man. We're all from below. Jesus says, I'm from above. Now, the other prophets in the Bible all get a little sneaky peek into heaven. Jesus just basically sees it constantly. Sees the plan of the Father all the time. In John 5, he says, I see in the present tense what my Father does. I just see it all the time. It's not a little cheeky window that I'm poking through to figure things out. I was there at the beginning when I planned your life. And I see him still now orchestrating your life. So come and talk to me about your life. I've got it sorted. Come to me. I am the window. I'm the door. So anybody getting in the game of answers to life's big questions should probably consult this man, the prophet. And since his ascension, and this is where we really come in, he speaks through churches that focus on the words of Jesus and his thoughts church life together. So your goal is not, I need to be really clever. 
every week, every day in every situation, I need to be the cleverest. No, nor is it I need to empty my mind of absolutely everything. No, the high calling of Park End Church to people who need salvation and direction and every answer is listen to Christ the prophet, pass it on. Listen to Christ the prophet, pass it off. Have in you the mind, the mind of Christ. If anybody lacks wisdom, ask and it will be given. And okay, for the last part, cliff time. So, um, this bit's called From Plato to Thanish in High School. <laughs> so, so brace yourself. It's meant to link, and it does in my head. Here's the big answer to he's a prophet, so what? Right? Shuffle in your seats. Church members change the world. That's how the world is changed. That's God's plan. Not the academy and their clever answers. And here's a list, because I was in a conference recently, and we were looking at world-changing Christians and Christian empires, and I want everyone to leave here feeling that, and knowing that they've got such a big profit that they can change people's lives. Or your life can change. He's that capable. If he can do it to Charlemagne, you're a mini Charlemagne. I'll explain who he is in a minute. But this point, we are like an electrical appliance that don't work properly unless we're plugged into Jesus. Because he's the one with the answers. And so, here's a big vision which spilled out from Christians to the country and changed the world. I went to a church service once and I preached and I said, right, I'm in South Wales, you're in North Wales. We'll lift up Jesus and his words and transform the south of the country. You lift up Jesus in the north and his words and see how they change lives in the north of the country and we'll meet you in the middle. And they all laughed. And I thought, no, but I believe this. I believe this can happen because he is the prophet that changes lives. And it's happened before. We can show the meaning behind trees, maths, weather seasons, biology, identity, music, everything is under the prophet and he makes sense of it all. I wasn't joking. And so, right, right, whistle stop just to run a better rap this up tonight. Um, okay, Plato to Lanishan in about four minutes. So a guy called Hecademus uh, bought a field. I'll leave the details, but it was about 300 BC and Plato bought the field off, off him and began the wave of classical education where wisdom went to the elite the prophets in the academy. And he filled his fields with sholarchs, which we get the word scholars from, classical education. Boring stuff, lasted about 800 years. Basically, they were all answering questions. They were all answering things to questions nobody was ever asking. Right, along comes Jesus and the apostles. Using the works of Moses, they preach life-changing words. And it changes the world. And they teach people how to think, why to feel, when to act, how to spend, how to worship, who to serve, how to suffer, how to die. And unlike the elite academics and the scholars, which are all ethereal and floaty, Jesus made it very life-changing and personal down to the little detail. Right, fast forward. 529 AD, 
There are two Christians called Justinian and Theodora, and there might be two Justinian and Theodoras here today. And they realized education's rubbish, and well, it's not rubbish, that's harsh, but it's not as good as it could be unless Jesus is at the center. So they built uh, the Church of Holy Wisdom, the Hagia Sophia, the centerpiece of Christian education and worship, because they believed this. We cannot really learn anything in a life-changing way unless it's connected to the prophet, Jesus, and they changed the world. I'll spare the details. Anyway, there was a bit of kickback. Slavs invaded. Things got put on hold. 7th and 8th century, Christian civilizations grew and lives were changed and maths broke out and natural science and architecture and the human hearts were being changed because most of them were also preaching Jesus as the center of maths and science and disciplines. They put church as the context for heart-changing, prophetic, life-changing learning. Then there was an Islamic invasion and there was a plague and half the world got wiped out in the Mediterranean and the Vikings came in. That was a bit tricky. But fast forward 787, I'll stop at the 12th century because this is getting a bit crazy. But Enter Charlemagne. Charlemagne set out a vision for his kingdom and he believed the prophet Jesus. Here was his vision. I want all church leaders to be educated so, and here's a quote, because when I visit churches and monasteries, people lack the power to rightly comprehend the Scriptures. And his vision was, once we get who Jesus is, everything else fits into place. Who am I? Where am I going? Music, art, and science flourished under Charlemagne because he trusted the prophet. This one I love, so I am doing this one, even if you want to go home for your roast dinner. Hold on a minute. 789, the Council of Aachen. Uh, that vision got expanded, and the teachers here were like this one, beyond just church leaders, that education would go out to all. Not the academics, but to all. And here's a quote from that council. Let every abbey and monastery have a school. A school in which its children get to be taught the psalms, music, maths, and grammar. Pull that stuff from a few elites out there because the prophet and his world is for everyone. So they expanded that vision to every church and town, and education was free, ready, for boys and girls and parents would donate to the teachers because people believe the prophet Jesus makes sense of everything everything and nothing can be rightly known without him scrap the 12th century and I'll just jump to me fast forward a bit you all know Christian thinkers that have not just helped you academically but have changed your heart by the way they've lived as well and it's a beautiful thing. I left Lanishan High School, and I liked Lanishan High School, but I didn't come out of school saying this, my whole life's in order. All my big questions are answered. Because at the moment, the prophet is detached from day-to-day -day life. And in Great Britain, and these are my final words, the light is shone from Park End Church into everyone that we meet. The way to win a lost world over is for us to hear what Jesus is saying and transform our lives 
our neighbors' lives, and our communities' lives. How do I stop worrying so much? Go to the prophet. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.